HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch, grass-fed beef raised on California's central coast. Now available online through Larder Meat Company. Learn more at hearstranch.com. Hello to everyone. I'm Louisa Kasdan, your host for Let's Talk About Food, a podcast devoted to first-person storytelling where food plays a pivotal, if not a starring role. Everyone has a food story. Food is at the heart of human connection, at the center of love, of ritual, of need and want, and most of all, food creates community. And community is what we crave. Catherine D'Amato is the president and CEO of the Greater Boston Food Bank and a personal hero of mine. She figures out how to feed hundreds of thousands of neighbors in need every day. She tells the story of why she was destined to become a food banker. Catherine was recorded in front of a live audience in November of 2019 at WBUR City Space in Boston. Let's have a listen. What I want to share with you is my journey to be a food banker and how a small impression from my parents actually turned into a career. I grew up in Northern California. My grandparents were farmers that immigrated uh, to the United States. And my father worked for Continental Baking Company, also known as Blue Sail Bread in California. So he was literally a bread man. He drove a bread truck. And then when I was eight years old, my parents decided to try to improve our lives. And I'm the youngest of four. So they opened a restaurant called D'Amato's in Northern California. And when I moved here, people are like, are you related to Joe D'Amato? And I'm like, yeah, somewhere. There's a Joe in every Italian family. I have one back in California. But when I would go to Colorado, which was where my grandparents' farm was, my grandfather would tell us that we had to use every bit of the pig but the squeal. So that was also destiny, to be a food banker. To use everything, grab everything, recycle everything. I make all my own stocks. And it freaks people out when they come to my house. It's like a freezer full of fish stock, beef stock, chicken stock, vegetable stock. So back to the restaurant. My parents opened this restaurant. And we were taught that if anyone should come to the back door seeking food in exchange for work, that we were to bring them in, sit them down, and feed them. 
That's a very powerful message. But it also accompanied the fact that my father was Italian and a Roman Catholic, which was if a nun or priest came through the front door, they were also folks that were fed for nothing. So at eight years old, I'm trying to figure out what these two have in common. And not till much later, when I went to study theology and philosophy, did I figure it out. Why would a nun and priest get free food and a beggar get free food as well? That was a very powerful piece for me. So I will share with you that I never, ever said, I want to be a food banker. There's no degree in it. You can't go any place to study it. I wanted to be a singer and a songwriter. And I have published albums, and I do like to sing. But I couldn't make a living at it. And so my passion in music, it remains, but it was converted to how do we help people who simply just need to eat? And often for no fault of their own, they find themselves in a situation. And so that combination for me became very powerful in studying theology. And I was able to, through the grace of many great mentors, start the San Francisco Food Bank in 1979. And one thing led to another, led led to another, and in such learned about that there are people who need food, and there's food, and how do you create that connectivity? So the food bank is not a pantry. We supply pantries. So we are a supplier. And that's where I think of myself as that third generation. Grandparents, farmers. I learned a lot about soil. I proudly can say to you, we created the first food bank farm in America in Hadley, Massachusetts in 1991. So why? Because Hadley, Massachusetts has the third most important loam in the world, not in the United States, not in Massachusetts, in the world. It's a highly productive soil. Grandparents taught me a lot. So the lesson for me in sharing with you that story tonight is that we all have something we can do. You can write a check, you can volunteer, you can share your skill, you can change somebody's life. And what I say to my team each and every day, because we put out enough food now for about nearly 60 million meals, When we don't do our job, people don't eat. It's really simple. It's a lot about how people can thrive and survive and take care of their family. So go back to the lesson, that eight-year-old that tries to see the connectivity of why my parents would say, this person deserves to eat because they are hungry, not because they have to work in order to have the food. So never underestimate, as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, the influence you may have on that child that's near you because they're listening and they're watching. And for me, it became a career. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hearst Ranch. The Hearst family has raised cattle on California's central coast since 1865. Today, Hearst Ranch's signature product is their 100% grass-fed, completely hormone and antibiotic-free beef. The Hearst Ranches have always treated their animals with great care. 
their cattle live a completely natural existence as foragers and grazers. Well-managed grazing fertilizes the land naturally, sustains a seasonal rhythm to the ranches, and produces a remarkable meat whose flavor is the authentic taste of the American West. Hearst Ranch beef is available seasonally, May through August, in select whole food markets throughout California, and all year round at their retail locations in San Simeon and Paso Robles. And now, HRN listeners in Arizona, Nevada, and California can get Hearst Ranch beef delivered right to their door through Larder Meat Company. Go to lardermeatco.com and shop the 100% grass-fed box to stock your freezer with Hearst Ranch beef. That's L-A-R-D-E-R, meatco.com. Learn more about the storied history, farming practices, and conservation efforts of Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Maureen Timmons is the Director of Dining Services at Northeastern University, where she is charged with feeding over 20,000 people a day in 31 locations. She will share her story that she calls a recipe for love. Maureen was recorded in front of a live audience at City Winery in Boston in February of 2020. Let's have a listen. So how do you say love? If you were my grandparents, you said it with food. And while the theme today is about food and love, for me, there is no and. It's food is love. This DNA is part of my worldview that passed on by my grandparents. We grew up in a small town in upstate New York with my grandparents, their five kids, and 20 grandchildren in the same town. My grandparents' house was the center of our universe. We all lived within like a mile or two from each other. We had all of our gatherings there. They made the most amazing food, and they were legendary bakers. They made bread each week, and when you would walk in the house, all you could smell was those amazing bread smells. They often delivered the bread to us if we didn't go pick it up. Their bread was always served warm with this most precious local butter and their strawberry rhubarb jam, which is the perfect combination of tart and sweet. As the oldest of five, sometimes there was a bit of chaos at my house. And to complicate that further, we had a rule at our house where you had to eat every single thing on your plate. This was further complicated by my super creative vegetarian mom who really didn't like to cook. And although now I eat everything and I absolutely love food, I actually was the pickiest eater on the planet growing up. So pretty much every single meal at my house, I had to have a game plan of how I was going to strategize and get through dinner. And because my mom was vegetarian, each meal had a big vegetable focus. And my arch nemesis were peas. So I would try to feed them to the dog. We had a little shelf underneath the table. I would try to put them in there. I tried to swallow them whole and then also fill my cheeks with peas and run to the restroom and spit them in the toilet. (laughs) Now, as you can imagine, these strategies had some obvious flaws. First of all, the dog didn't like peas any more than I did. (laughs) The swallowing whole peas required at least a gallon of milk. When my mom pulled apart the table to add a leaf dried peas went everywhere. (laughs) Busted. (laughs) 
And then occasionally the toilet would overflow with a waterfall of peas. And that did not go well either. When I was about 10 years old, I think I realized that I didn't have to try to do the hide and don't seek thing with my vegetables. I could actually go to my grandparents for dinner. So my mom used to serve this thing called tuna wiggle, which of course included peas. And my mom would say, we're having tuna wiggle. I'd say, uh, I need to call grandma. So I'd call my grandmother and say, hey, Graham, can I come to dinner? And she'd say, of course, yes. So I would go flying up to their house in the back door, small kitchen. Grandparents are cooking together as they always were. Big hugs, come on in. And if I could actually time it on apple pie day, that was the best thing in the world. My grandparents also delivered apple pies to all of our families. And the secret recipe they had for apple pies, in addition to their perfectly flaky crust, was that they used vanilla nut cinnamon. I still believe that vanilla and apple pie is the perfect solution. In addition to spending the time with my grandparents, which was just the most magical time on the planet, they really touched all of us with all five senses. They listened intently, and it was always over food, and it was really something to behold to see them prepare their food together. And they had a beautiful backyard garden. They made everything from scratch. They never wasted food. They were incredibly generous and kind, and their house was full of harmony. They really transformed everything in my world. So imagine going from the food trauma, and now I'm in the food business, which is a bit of a (laughs) stretch here. And because of them, I actually decided to go to undergrad and um, study hotel restaurant management. And then I went to culinary school at the CIA, which my grandparents were thrilled. And for the past two decades, I've been happy to be the director of dining services at Northeastern. We have an amazing team that serves 20,000 people a day. And each day, I'm really inspired by my grandparents and how they helped to really transform my world. And they did it all through food. So I'm really just grateful for everything they've done. And they really set me on the path to do what I'm doing today. And if you're looking for a recipe for love, food is the answer. Food is love. Thanks for listening. And thank you to our team, producer Rachel Gottbaum and sound engineer and composer Michael Moss of Soundscape Boston. You can find more of our stories at heritageradionetwork.org or by visiting our website, letstalkaboutfood.com or find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's Talk About Food is powered by Simplecast. This podcast is supported by the Hunger to Health Collaboratory a cross-sector leadership initiative dedicated to reducing the health consequences of hunger. With generous support from Stop and Shop, Hunger to Health Collaboratory convenes partners across sectors to advocate for health equity and food security. For more information, visit hungertohealthcollaboratory.org. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradio.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? 
Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. 